This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Brent, I'm learning jazz standards. I'm learning jazz solos. I'm practicing mapping out chord tones. I'm doing all the right things, but I still feel like when I'm taking a solo, I'm not really playing the music that I want to be playing. My solos aren't improving. What do I do? That's exactly what I'm going to answer in today's episode. Let's do this thing. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards. We help musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Always excited to be here and just share my knowledge with you, help you become a better jazz musician in any way I can. Now, this problem of not feeling like your jazz solos are improving and that you're naturally able to improvise musical ideas, even though you're doing what we call all the right things, is a very common problem that I hear. And in fact, I was talking to one of my inner circle members the other day who was explaining just that. And so what I wanted to share with you today on the show is exactly what I told this person and walked through a series of questions that I had for this person about how they were doing what they were doing, as well as some action items that I recommended they start doing in the future to start bridging this gap. In fact, those were the exact words that this person used with me is I feel like there is a gap between all the stuff that I'm working on and doing and actually implementing when it comes to improvisation. So we're going to help figure out how to bridge that gap. But before we do that, I want to talk about our upcoming Learn Jazz Live 2022 virtual summit. It's coming up on Saturday, January 29th. That's one week from the day, less than one week from the day that this podcast episode is published. So you have very little time left to join us for our incredible virtual summit where we're bringing together some of the best online jazz educators in the world. We have, of course, myself, who's going to be giving a masterclass. We have Jens Larson. We have Brendan Lowe from Jazz Piano School, Donna Schwartz from Donna Schwartz Music, Nick Manella from the 10-Minute Jazz Lesson Podcast, Diego Maldonado, an incredible drummer and rhythm instructor, as well as Chris Davis from Trumpet Lessons HQ, and our very own Brett Pontecorvo from Team LGS. And we're all giving amazing workshops on jazz improvisation, jazz theory, practicing, and mindset to help you absolutely accelerate your jazz skills in 2022. This was a ton of fun when we did it last year. It's going to be a ton of fun with workshops, live Q&As, 
and just it's just going to be such a value 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 packed Saturday of master classes. So go on over to learnjazzlive.com. That's learnjazzlive.com. Get your ticket before it's too late and also we're doing a sponsored gold ticket which includes an annual LJS Inner Circle membership and a free ticket to Learn Jazz Live. So if you're not an Inner Circle member and you get our gold ticket, you'll get immediate access to our LGS Inner Circle as well as a free ticket to Learn Jazz Live. So learnjazzlive.com, go check it out. All right, let's start diving right in and figuring out how to bridge this gap. Okay, so again, the problem here is you are learning jazz solos by ear. You probably heard that that's a good thing to do, learn jazz language, and you may be working on your music theory, like mapping out chord tones for jazz standards, mapping out guide tones. Um, You may be taking licks into all 12 keys. You may be consistently learning new jazz standards. But then still, when you get up to improvise, you feel like you're sinking back to the same old things that you're doing. And you just don't feel like some of that language you're learning and the things that you're doing are coming through as much as you'd like them to. I mean, most cases, yes, you're seeing improvement, but there's still something missing for you. Okay. So we want to start diagnosing what's wrong and figure out how to fix it. And I think the first place to start is kind of just talking about why we do those things, the quote unquote right things, uh, the good things to do to improve as a jazz musician before we talk about bridging that gap. And so I'll speak specifically in the case of this inner circle member, because this inner circle member is obviously in our membership. And this inner circle member is working on, um, he's learning new jazz standards every single month. Okay. So that's a good thing to do. We have to learn more jazz standards, expose ourselves to more harmonic elements. So that's like the most important thing any anybody can do to improve as a jazz musician is work on new jazz standards. Um, this person was also working on what we call mapping exercises. So mapping out the chord tones that helps you start both hearing and getting muscle memory of those most important notes for spelling out the chord changes. He was working on guide tone maps, which are the thirds and sevenths. So identifying those notes that he may want to resolve to in his lines to really make those chord changes pop out as well as approach tone maps and scale maps, some different other tools for jazz improvisation on a more theoretical sense. Also learning an etude. So an etude, a jazz solo um, every single month that has just a wealth of new jazz language. Okay. So again, doing all the right things. So what I want to first ask you as a listener is, are you doing any of those things right now? Because I pretty much can guarantee you that, you know, whether it's coming from me or somebody else, some version of the things that I just mentioned are going to be recommended to you in some capacity. So if there's some of those things that you're not doing right now, um, you may want to start doing those things because I will say you're at a severe disadvantage if you're not doing any of the things I just mentioned, right? Those are the things that are truly going to help you improve over time, right? So here's the second thing I wanted to start asking this individual because this individual, again, was learning all this jazz language, was playing the solos, was doing all the exercises, but then still feeling like their improvisation wasn't at the same level, okay? So the first thing that I asked was 
what are you doing with those materials that you're learning? Are you reading them off of a piece of sheet music or are you memorizing them and reading them or are you learning them by ear? Okay. So that's what I asked this person. And this person let me know that they most of the time were just reading through on their saxophone. They're just reading through the etudes and the exercises. And sometimes they were memorizing them, but other times they weren't. Okay. So my first thing that I recommended for this person to do is to at the very least memorize what they're doing. So if you're working on a jazz solo, right, or part of a jazz solo, really you should memorize it. It doesn't do you a lot of good as far as retaining and internalizing jazz language that you may want to use in your solos if you're reading off a piece of sheet music. It's really your brain is operating from a totally different headspace than what you need as a jazz improviser, okay? So my first suggestion was make sure that you're memorizing. And I was also suggesting that for some of the more non-musical exercises like mapping out chord tones and guide tones because really what we wanna do is we wanna internalize what does it sound like when I spell out this one, six, two, five, one with the four chord and then going into the relative minor with the two, five, one. Like, what does that actually sound like when I map those out and connect those chords together, even if it's in a very exercise methodical way, we want to feel what that sounds like and internalize those sounds. But if we're just reading through it, all we're doing is really exercising our reading skills. And when it comes to improvisation, reading skills aren't really important at all. Um, well, it could be if you're sight reading, like if you're sight reading and having to improvise, like if you're in a big band, but really as far as improvisation goes, it's about being able to spontaneously create. And in order to do that, we need muscle memory. So that's part of why you want to memorize, right? And we also need to improve our ears. And the more times that we hear ourselves playing chord tones, for example, the more those sounds are going to become familiar and our ear and our muscle memory are going to start connecting together. But if we're not memorizing the material, even if you're only memorizing it for a short period of time, then we're really missing out on a lot of the benefits of doing these sorts of exercises that, again, really most professional jazz musicians will suggest in some shape or form to do things like this, okay? Now, this person was memorizing the melodies and the chords to the jazz standards, and that's really important, but I would ask you as a listener to make sure that you're also doing that, right? Because if you're still stuck to the sheet music, reading melodies out of a real book, or relying on iReal Pro for chord changes, you don't really know that song very well. So you need to memorize that tune, okay? Um, it's so important at the very basic level that you do memorize your jazz standards rather than reading them. So if that's something that you haven't graduated to yet, make sure you set up a challenge for, your, for yourself to memorize those tunes, all right? So on top of that, when we dug into this a little bit further, we discussed that sometimes this person is memorizing the etudes, the jazz solos that they're working on to learn jazz language, but not all the time. And the reason that they gave for me for that was that they don't always have enough time to memorize an entire 32-bar solo over top of the jazz standard they're working on. And my response to that was... I would way rather you learn half of that solo or even eight bars of that solo 
and memorize it and retain it really well and know that language forwards and backwards, both through your fingers and in your ears, then only reading through an entire solo or partly understanding and not really well memorizing a whole thing, right? So less is more is always the key for me when it comes to this kinds of things. So memorizing is a must, I think, as far as retaining and learning jazz language. Okay, now the next level here was when I asked of the materials that they're working on, how much of it were they learning by ear? They really indicated to me not very much. Okay. Now you probably heard many times before that learning jazz by ear, um, whether it be melodies or solos, is a great idea. And I think it gets kind of tired to hear people say that to you over and over again. And you may feel a little bit of guilt because in actuality, it's kind of difficult for you to learn things by ear. Probably you haven't done it very much, or you just realize by reading something you can get it memorized so much faster, right? You can learn it so much faster. It's that instant gratification. And I totally understand that argument. And again, that's why I always suggest first and foremost, at least memorize. But then it should always be at least to some degree in your practicing, learning some of the material that you're working on by ear. So maybe you're learning just eight bars of a solo by ear, going through the process of listening to each note and figuring it out on your instrument and memorizing it as you go, because you're strengthening your ear. You're going to be doing a lot more repetition. And essentially, at the end of the day, when you learn things by ear, it's sinking in a lot more than when you're just reading that information and trying to retain it, right? So going through that process is so worthwhile. And yeah, it's not instant gratification sort of a thing, but over time, these ear training skills that are more functional ear training, training as we call them, are really what's going to help you start internalizing jazz language more so that it comes out a little bit more naturally in your jazz solos. Okay. So with all that context being asked this person about how they're learning the material and what they're doing with it, the main takeaways were make sure you're memorizing, even if you're doing less of a solo or less of a core tone exercise, and then start doing some learning material by ear. And the one that I always recommend to everybody is at the very least, always learn the melody of a jazz standard you're working on by ear. That to me is like the most basic baseline that you should always make it your goal to do versus reading it out of a real book. Okay. All right. So moving on to the next kind of phase of this is how do we figure out we're learning jazz language, we're memorizing it, we're internalizing this language, but still there's this disconnect between that and what I'm actually improvising. So the first thing I'll say is, A, we got to manage our expectations a little bit, right? Just because you can play a Charlie Parker solo or a Chet Baker solo does not mean that you're now Chet Baker, right? <laughs> it just means that you're able to play their solo and you probably learned something from that. You internalized part of that. There's something about that that you learned from and resonated with you. But that doesn't mean that you're Chet, pa Chet Baker now, right? It doesn't mean you're Grant Green now. It doesn't mean that you're Bill Evans now, right? It just means that you figured out what they did 
Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that now you're going to be just organically improvising the best solos ever. No, you got inside of their brain and you're internalizing some of their language. So for me, the number one thing that I always suggest to my inner circle members, and I want to suggest to uh, you today here on the podcast is to start composing your own solos. So if you're learning a jazz standard, start making it a goal to compose your own jazz solos that really come from you, okay? And the idea behind that is if you're the one who's creating the music, that means it's most naturally coming to you. It means that it's coming from the library of information in your conscious or subconscious that you've learned about jazz and playing chord changes and all that good stuff. And you're giving yourself you're allowing that information to have uh, some life, to breathe air for the first time, right? Now, when I talk about composing, I don't necessarily mean notating. In fact, you know, sometimes notating can kind of get in the way if, again, you're not going to memorize it. If you're just going to read it off a piece of paper, it's great that you did the part of, you know, dreaming up your solo, but then you're not really internalizing that further. So you don't have to notate. You can just slowly but surely, you know, four bars at a time, eight bars at a time, start composing your own solo and memorizing it as you go. Now, the beauty of doing this is what you want to be doing is going back to, hey, I learned uh, this particular passage from Sonny Rollins over top of this one, six, two, five chord progression and you know, the thing that I learned from that was this altered idea that resolves to the two chord, right? From the sixth chord to the two chord. I love that idea. I wonder if I could compose something similar to that, right? Because I know it now, but how would I do it differently? So this is your opportunity to slow this improvisation process down into composition so that you can really think hard about what you want to play. I had another inner circle member recently also say to me, hey, the, I'm really having this issue with every time I'm playing my biweekly gig, the first way I start my bass solo is always with the, the five licks that I know. I started always with these five licks um, because I just want to sound good, right? <laughs> so one thing that I encouraged him to do was start composing a lot of other ways to start a jazz solo that had nothing to do with those five licks, right? So thinking of new ways. So if I don't like the way I'm starting my solo, think of other ways that you can start your solo, but plan it out ahead of time, right? And the more we do this kind of planning and regurgitating and twisting and recomposition and memorizing for ourselves, the more that that stuff starts becoming natural, so it's this idea of transferring the stuff that we've been learning, like chord tones, mapping, and and solos, and melodies, and now we're trying to shift that over to us. How do we make it our own? How do we get this to become organic, right? So for me, composition is one of the best ways that we can start bridging the gap. So if you're not doing this already, I'd recommend starting to compose some of your own solos and see what happens. Um, for many of my inner circle members, I start saying, well, make it a goal every single month to compose part of a solo or a whole solo, right? Because at that point, then you're 
you're repeating this exercise over and over. And after a year has gone by or even six months or even three months, you get start getting results. You start bridging that gap more and more and more and you get comfortable playing things that come to your head. Now, one last piece of advice I'd love to give, um, and I'm giving this advice last because I feel like this is one that is often repeated in the jazz education circles. However, it's often repeated for a good reason, and I'll explain deeper why in a second, and that is if you learn a lick or a line and you really like it or you compose your own lick or line, it's always a good idea to take that into different keys, if not all 12 keys. And again, this could be a tired statement that you hear over and over again. And it's like, okay, Brent, great, 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 great. You know, let's move on to the next thing. But the reason that you would do something like this for the purpose that we're talking about today is what often happens is we learn how to play a piece of musical information in one key. And, you know, whether you play guitar or piano or saxophone or trumpet or whatever, there's a certain feeling of the fingerings that you're using to play that line in the particular key you're playing. Um, for a guitar, it's very obvious because you have certain positions of the fretboard you'll play something in. Um, you know, it's a very patternistic instrument, so it's very obvious on guitar, but I know this translates to other, inf- uh, other instruments as well. But again, we want to be always marrying muscle memory with building our ear. So part of learning musical information is getting that muscle memory and memorizing it so our fingers are used to playing something. But the other half of it is getting that musical sounds into our ears so that we're actually hearing it for ourselves. We're learning a new piece of vocabulary. But when we take that into a different key, our muscle memory is going to have to change, right? It's going to have to change to adapt to this other key or this other position on your bass or what have you. So the act of taking something into another key is simply like, you know, looking at something from a different perspective. And if you look at an object, for example, from 360 degrees at every single point, you're going to see it more fully and more clearly. So that's sort of what taking things into all 12 keys does for you. It brings that piece of musical information into a multitude of different contexts so that you can feel it and see it differently. So if you're memorizing and getting that muscle memory in all 12 keys, then it's more likely that when you're actually improvising and that sound just organically is coming to your mind, that you're going to go ahead and you're going to start playing something like that more likely. Not verbatim per se, but you may be playing something of the essence simply because you're familiar with playing it in different keys and different positions. Okay. So 12 keys is important. And let's just do one more bonus tip actually as well here. And that is part of the problem is when we're not able to organically improvise the way we want to, Part of it is because we're trying to preconceive preconceive things that we want to play, uh, sort of like the bass player in my Inner Circle membership who said he keeps playing the f- first five, the same five licks at the beginning of his solos, right? So in other words, we're trying to force something to happen versus just letting things organically happen. So that has a lot to do with mindset, like relaxation and giving yourself the liberty to just play and even not be afraid of making mistakes. So one way to practice that is to simply just practice playing free, 
Okay, free not meaning necessarily avant-garde, but just no time, no metronomes, no chord progressions, just literally playing melodies on your instrument and seeing what happens. And even if you hit a note that you would consider to be a wrong note, just simply picking up where you left off and seeing where that wrong note actually takes you. So this is almost more of a psychological exercise than it is like a physical one. Like, yes, you're working on the physical of like navigating your instrument no matter where it just leads you, right? So it's it's giving you some of that liberty to travel your instrument wherever it will take you. But it's also very much so just sort of like, what happens when I just let myself loose mentally to play whatever I want to? And reserve judgment, right, of what's actually happening. So if you can sort of get into that headspace a little bit more and just start organically creating melodies, and that is a great way to start bridging that gap as well and just forgetting about trying to copy and paste anything or preconceive any sort of ideas or being forced to play chord changes. So my challenge for you this week is to observe some of the things that I talked about. A, are you doing the quote unquote right things? I talked about chord tone mapping and solo, uh, learning solos, learning jazz standards. Are you doing those things right now? Because if you're not, you should probably consider doing those things. And then ask yourself some of the things that I talked about. Are you composing solos? Are you memorizing them? Are you um, working on things in all 12 keys? Like any of the things that I just mentioned, make a plan today of how you are going to implement something this week. All right, that's all for today's episode. Thanks for checking in. I do appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I don't take it for granted at all. Remember that knowledge without action isn't really knowledge at all. So make sure you take action on today's episode. Uh, Like I said at the beginning of the show, Learn Jazz Live 2022, our virtual summit, is happening literally this Saturday. It is Saturday, January 29th. It's going to be an incredible event. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be so motivating. It was so motivating. Like, I mean, I was, I left the event feeling incredibly motivated, just hearing all the amazing information and just seeing, um, all the great live Q and a sessions. It was just so much fun. So learn jazzlive.com. And if you've been sitting on the sidelines of thinking you might want to join our LGS inner circle membership for a while, we also have a sponsored gold pass, which gives you an annual membership as well as a free ticket to learn jazz live. So learn jazzlive.com is where you can find all of that. We're going to be coming out with another great quick win episode of the podcast this Friday. We'll see you back then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.